The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of its hosts, guests, or callers, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of WTBR-FM, its management, other producers, or sponsors. Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units, stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, June 9th, 2023, and this is another live new episode of this allegedly weekly radio program um, that we don't actually know how many more weeks we're going to be able to continue it, but we'll talk about that later. My name is Mike Wynn. I am the co-host and co-producer of this program. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. I'm joined in studio this morning by sound engineer extraordinaire, soon-to-be captain Matt Hill. More more on that later when our other guests arrive. But before we get to some news recaps, let's get a check of the weather. Here's your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, June 9th. Greetings. Today, mostly cloudy, a high of 65 with some thunderstorms. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a low of 47 with some thunderstorms. Tomorrow, partly cloudy with a high of 69. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more with the forecast and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Caleb Klein from WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, Jacob. Thank you for that weather report. Um, let's start with some news items. I'm not going to dwell on any of these. Um, breaking news overnight, I think we have to lead with that. Former President Trump was indicted. I'm not going to say any more about that. There is a... Uh, North Adams case that uh, has been investigated and now is being charged as arson. It appears based on this morning's reporting that it was arson for insurance fraud. So be interested in tracking that. Burke homicide trial continues uh, here in Berkshire County Court. Uh, jury reached an impasse yesterday and was instructed to come back. So we're waiting to see what verdict is returned in that. And positive news, uh, cool, couple cool things. There's a there's a proposal being put forward to put together a working youth farm on a parcel in Springside Park um, put forth by Roots Rising. I think that's kind of an amazing uh, dual use that would take advantage of a, a remote section of the park that's currently underutilized and not only um, teach valuable skills to some of our youth, but produce food for the community. So I'm eager to see what happens with that. And... Uh, related to the weather, um, the air quality today is improving. It's uh, significantly better than it has been here for the last couple of days. Um, but that uh, particulate matter from the Canadian wildfires is moving south, and so our neighbors to the south are now kind of dealing with that. I was in my yard Wednesday afternoon um, when the weather started to shift, and the, that particular matter was driven down by what appeared to be a cold front. And it got dark dark in the back of my yard like it was sunset i was it was a little um, frightening so matt before we came in to get on the air this morning i was uh telling you a story and talking to sean uh, about it and 
I'm just going to share this because it has been um, the last couple of weeks have been a period of, of highs and lows and, and uh, trying to dance with this transition. So my 30th college reunion is this weekend up in Williamstown. And it started last night with an informal get together, uh, just our class in the private room at the log on Spring Street. And so, um, you know, finished our, our short work, my short work day and had to take care of some personal stuff, went home, met the family, went and picked up my personal vehicle, I was having some work done on that, and uh, put on a, a pretty outrageous Williams themed Hawaiian shirt and headed north to go catch up with some of my classmates, right? It's, uh, you know, my last couple of weeks of work and it's summertime and so I'm going to go do something that is completely not job related. So I'm up there for a couple hours and I'm hanging out, but I knew I had to be down here this morning and I had a couple other things that I needed to take care of. So instead of hanging out in Williamstown and staying on campus, um, I decided that just, just after nine o'clock, I was going to come home and get a good night's sleep so I could do what I needed to do. Good morning, Captain. And uh, head back up there this afternoon. So I'm driving home. I'm coming over Valentine Road. I'm almost home. And a fox runs out in front of me uh, in, front of the tr in front of the truck. So I step on the brakes to slow down to watch this fox. And I'm tracking it right to left. And as I get my gaze to the left side of the road, there is an unconscious, unresponsive male wrapped around a telephone pole on the side of the road. And uh, I'm, by the time I realize what I saw, I'm past him. So now I've got to turn around and I'm starting to do what any one of us would do. Uh, I'm doing my, my mental inventory. And it's not good, right? Because because the truck had been in the shop, I hadn't transferred any gear uh, of my personal gear from my cruiser to this truck. So I got nothing. And I'm running through. I got no radio. I got no gloves. I got no pocket mask. I got no Narcan. I got... I got nothing. I got no full-size flashlight. I'm not wearing any equipment. I'm not carrying. I got zero. Um, so I turn the truck around. I call station. I get dispatch sending me two units. They add a piece and, a, and an ambulance. Uh, and then I pull up and illuminate the guy. And, of course, right, because I have nothing, as soon as I put my headlights on the guy, he regains consciousness and sits up. But he buries his hands. I'm out of the truck. I got a tiny little flashlight. I got my cred case, but no badge on, on my belt. I got no gear. He doesn't want to show me his hands. He's got a laceration on the inside of his left wrist from a previous attempt. After I finally get him talking, he tells me he's ingested 25 to 30 anti-anxiety pills. Now I can hear the sirens. I'm like, in the middle of the night, wearing this outrageously colored William shirt with no gear. Like, what is happening to me right now? <laughs> um... It was just so bizarre to be simultaneously try to exist in, you know, this world that I was in before I became a cop and this world that I've been for the last 30 years in such a short period of time. And it was an uncomfortable transition. So uh, this morning, there's some medical equipment in my personal vehicle, which I wish I had had there last night. But that, uh, yeah, it was awkward. And it's caused a lot of self-reflection. That's going to take some adjustment. There's going to be that. You're going to have an identity crisis issue for, I'm, for I'm a little bit I'm until you get this figured out. Crisis. Until you get it figured out, it's going to be an adjustment to the civilian world. I also need recommendations for a toolbox for the back of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, just joining us in studio this morning is Captain Matt Kirchner, uh, currently the Patrol Division Commander. Um, and if you heard my intro, 
I introduced our sound engineer this morning as soon-to-be Captain Matt Hill, and I didn't seek permission from Chief Dolly to share this, but the orders went out, so I think we're, I think we're in good shape to, to share. So we had, um, obviously, my imminent departure and retirement is going to have a ripple effect because we need to, um, we need to plan for who's going to replace the replacements, and it's it hasn't been a secret. You know, we've talked about it that Thomas Dolly, currently the detective commander, uh, has been selected to step into the interim chief's role. So Tommy will be taking command from me. Um, but we just literally decided uh, at the parade, and uh, that meant Tommy had to round out his command staff. And we've got some stuff going on in the department that um, we knew was gonna was gonna cause some movement, but we didn't really know how it was gonna pan out. Uh, one of the things that we did know for sure was that Captain Kirchner had requested a transfer. He wanted to step away from uniform patrol. He'd been there your entire career, right? 19 years. Yeah, 19 years, all in, in the bag, as we say. And so Matt wanted to, uh, uh, change of scenery and a change of duties. And you had requested to go to the detective bureau to backfill Tommy, yep. which you know I thought was a good idea. Tommy thought was a good idea. We were all kind of uh, in in position for that so earlier this week uh tommy and the mayor and i i observed and actually really participate um they interviewed candidates for captain and lieutenant and the plan was to make one new captain um we had two candidates that were interviewed and one of them was going to get promoted and then depending on who got promoted there was the possibility that that was going to cause a lieutenant's vacancy uh, and then we know that we'll have another lieutenant's vacancy right after July 1st when Lieutenant Madalena also retires. So we went back and forth. We ranked and evaluated the candidates, kind of made some recommendations. Tommy made some recommendations. Uh, the mayor supported Tommy's recommendations. And so the, the decision in the moment following the interviews, uh, the decision until about 7 o'clock yesterday morning, was Lieutenant Hill was going to get promoted to captain and was going to go to uniform to replace you yep, and that would create a vacancy in Lieutenant Hill's position in the Community Outreach and Professional Standards Bureau. And so Sergeant Madalena, traffic commander, would go to OSD as the um, op support coordinator, cops, cops commander, and to take traffic with him. That was kind of where everything settled out on Wednesday night. Uh, but there's another element, and we've talked about it kind of obliquely, and we're not going to get any details because we want to respect his privacy. But Captain Traversa has been um, dealing with a persistent ongoing injury, and he did all the right things for us, for the department, and worked really, really hard through his rehab to come back in at least a limited duty capacity. Um, and he's been working short hours as he tries to negotiate the job and his recovery. And he reflected and spoke to his family, and the, re the reality is coming to work is slowing his recovery. And so he went to the chief yesterday morning before I, I wasn't scheduled to work, um, and he said, look, I need to talk to you. I've, I've got to be honest about this. Because he has a follow-up coming in the second week, third week of June, and if he got bad news there, the orders that were going to get cut yesterday would be impacted, and he didn't want people to, to have to go through this twice. So Captain Dolly, Chief Dolly, texted me first thing yesterday morning, asked if I can jump on a Zoom. I'm finishing up a personal appointment. 
we jump on a Zoom, everybody kind of lays out the lay of the land and say, look, there's, there's really only two options available to us. We can leave the detective captain job vacant uh, and kind of go with the plan we have, which will cause us to leave Matt where he is, um, which you know doesn't honor his request. And it is not a good time of year to leave the detective captain position vacant, even if we've got some talented lieutenants in there. So the other thing you can do is you can go to the mayor and you can tell the mayor we ne temporarily need to float four captains and we're going to have to make some moves to do that. So uh, Captain Traversa can return to full IOD status and then we can make some moves. And ultimately, the decision was made that that was what was going to happen. G Gary's going to focus on his recovery. <clears throat> and so that triggered a second round of conversations about the interviews. And so orders were cut yesterday and you're going to have to help me with this because it, it, was, it was a lot. Uh, Lieutenant Hill promoted to captain, going to remain in ops support as the ops support division commander. Sergeant Mark Strout, currently the drug unit supervisor, evening detective supervisor, promoted to captain, going to patrol. Correct. Sergeant Mark Madalena promoted to lieutenant, going to ops support, and Captain Matt Kirster transferred from patrol to the detective bureau as the detective bureau commander. All effective this Sunday. With another anticipated promotion to be made essentially on July 1st, when Lieutenant Madalena, or it won't be the first, it'll be the fifth, when Lieutenant Madalena's um, retirement is official and that slot is vacant. And we know who that candidate is going to be, but we're not going to we're not going to get into that right now. We'll wait until those orders are cut. So between Wednesday afternoon and Thursday noon, the entire senior command staff of the police department changed. Uh, in in the fell swoop of one email send notification, uh, I actually feel pretty good about it. I imagine everybody else is feeling pretty anxious about it. Yeah, a lot of change. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of change coming, but as we always do, we, you know, we get thrown a curveball. We just pivot and turn. Uh, Matt, you said some. Matt Kirchner. Sorry, getting used to these first names. Uh, you said something yesterday that I think was really, really profound. It's accurate, but it was profound, and it it left me when I left the station yesterday feeling pretty good. Because basically what you said was we're not in the position we were, you know, 15, 16 years ago where every captain kind of had their little fiefdom and, you know, that everybody was protecting their own interests and everybody had their own agenda. This command staff is, in your words, all on the same page, kind of marching to the, the tune of the same drum, all aligned, going in the same direction. Uh, and that is very, very true. Um, the, the command staff, the senior command staff and the entire command staff during this difficult period of transition from when I started sharing information with you guys at about this time last year till when we made the formal announcement internally in October and then externally in December, you have all pulled together to make sure that everybody was ready for this. Um, and so it's big changes, big changes, but we're ideally poised to kind of ride out these changes. And I'm kind of excited to see what happens. Yeah, we're... Uh you know, I, I don't think anybody would disagree with me in our building. I mean, we, we've got a very strong, dynamic team. We've never been in such a positive, forward-thinking point in, in our agency's history. Um, 
I think it's going to be a huge benefit to all of us. Obviously, there's going to be a learning curve with some of these promotions, um, but but I'm excited to see how it plays out. And and you know, I think for our community, it's we've never been in such a strong, positive position. So so there's only success and, and great things to come from this. You know, we've we've spoken on previous episodes about um, in my time as the chief, right? So go back to 2007 when the decision was made, you know, or the decision was being made, it, I wasn't even a permanent captain yet. I, I was an acting captain and I had only been a captain for four months when all of this starts coming down. And at the time, every member of the command staff, so all the captains and all of the lieutenants were senior to me in years of service and to a, well, not all the lieutenants, but all the captains definitely, older than me, in a couple cases by, by a bunch, by a decade. Uh, and so I have to come in, I have to decide I'm going to do this, and I have to come into this role where I, I now have to command a core staff that, I, and at different points in the 13 years leading up to that, I had worked for each one of them in a different capacity. They had all supervised me. And now that role was reversing. And to your point yesterday, they were all very protective of their divisions, uh, sometimes to the adversity of the other divisions. It was not necessarily a really cooperative environment all the time. I mean, we cooperated to get cases done, but when it was competing for resources or training and stuff like that, it was very polarized. Um, and that was the reality within the department until the round of promotions where Captain Trapani and Captain Grady got promoted. That, that was really the first time that if we had a command staff meeting, everybody sitting at the table had kind of come up together. We had come up under the same um, field training process. We had come up under the same uh, command, supervisory training process. We had come up with the same rules and regulations. And so it, it really was the first time we were aligned. And that was about the same time, you know, for reasons we've already talked about on the show, that we decided to start doing some leadership development and professional development internally instead of just relying on vendors. And so it's been, you know, seven, seven plus years now that we've kind of been building, building the momentum of that so that the senior commanders are exactly as you described. They're, they're all, they all have the same mindset. They all have the same, um, cultural kind of appreciation and they all have the same understanding of the mission and i would never say that a police department's command should be plug and play but it really should be right we should be able to shuffle the commanders at any given time and know that they're going to be able to function and succeed in that role and i I honestly, I can't believe we made it. I can't believe we got to this point because <laughs> uh, it hasn't been it hasn't been easy. Um, but it's it's just a testament to the hard work that you as commanders have done over the last several years to make sure that you're training the people under you. you just go in and say, hey, okay, we're going to elevate a couple people into lieutenants' roles now, without a lot of prep. No factor. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's our goal. That's, I tell, you know, everyone that works for me that all the time, like my job is to train you how to do my job. Right. So if I, God forbid, step off the curb and get run over by a bus tomorrow, somebody can slide into that slot and we continue operating. It's, 
you know, we don't operate in a vacuum, but uh, we should be working on training our replacements and yep. cross training and getting as much, you know, skill wise under our in, a, in our toolkit as we can because. Let's face it. We get thrown curveballs all the time. All like the yesterday time. morning yesterday was a curveball. It was a we didn't we didn't panic. We didn't. It, it wasn't you know, as have bad. An issue. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And, it, uh, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to yep. be. So, all right. So big changes, big opportunities. Hey, Captain Hill. Yes, you've been quiet. I'm always quiet. You don't get to do that as a captain. <laughs> In here, I get to. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are changing. Those days are changing. Captain, tell us about your uh, your hopes for your new division. Well, uh, in one funny way is I'll be running special events, and I was Mr. Special Events before we had actually anybody specifically assigned to that what goes around comes around so uh i'm looking to just jump right back into that and continue some of those plans that we started for everything from live on the lake and third thursday um and when we began those plans we had no plans um when we had those events started um and we've just tweaked it every year figured out what worked what didn't and uh go from there I, it's funny you bring, you brought up some of those, because right? I recently somebody asked me a question I was saying about this, and you actually had to help me navigate this, uh, Matt. So that, that first year of Live at the Lake, right? and that, look, I don't want people to think that I don't appreciate and support Live on the Lake, but our introduction to Live on the Lake as a police department was significantly different than the public's introduction to live on the lake as a patron we had huge traffic and parking problems we had people parking in private residences driveways we had people defecating and urinating on people's lawns we had out-of-towners showing up in burbank park with massive coolers full of alcohol beverages and we we the police department had to navigate all of that and i'm not going to say we didn't get any assistance but we it wasn't really appreciated the the attitude kind of was just leave us alone and let us have a good time this is incredibly dangerous we can't get a fire truck in here let's not forget too in the beginning we were staffed with maybe three of us yeah and we basically held our breath hoping that everything would go okay which it did to and, his extent, but... Uh, and, and I was pretty okay with that kind of hands-off libertarian attitude until the event where the children almost got taken out by the boat because the people who couldn't get into the park decided that the way to do this was to raft up their boats on the water side of the park and have a party out there where we couldn't get to them. <laughs> Right, yep. fights were breaking out on these boats, and so I don't know. I don't even know where, if you, what your role was at the time, Captain Krishner. But we had to beg from the YMCA for their old float lines from when they used to stake out the swimming areas, and we had to put a to rope it off. We had to put a detail up there to rope off a swimming area so boaters wouldn't run over children yep. who were swimming or they were trying to take you know yeah. groups of boats tied together and just pull them into the beach area yeah. to, to shore up so they could get off their boats and mingle with the crowd and and, and to you know god bless them to, but to make it worse one of the offenders was one of us 
Like, we're there. Was, we're like, dude, come on. It was chaotic. It was very chaotic. And the so, I'll be honest. Like, it, I was like, I'm pulling the permit. This is dangerous. We can't allow this to. We're getting noise complaints from the other side of the lake. We just got to shut this thing down. And I got called to the mayor's. I was like, you can do anything you want except shut it down. Oh. And so, you know, Dave Granger and I used to go back and forth. He's like, just tell them no. And I'd say, Dave, it is not our job to tell them they can't have this event. It is our job to figure out a way to so, to safely offer to police this event. Make it work. And so the team got to work. And, I mean, it's, it's knock on wood. It's been so much better for the last several years, even pre-pandemic. But, you know, one of the first things we had to do is we had to bring the pickup truck down there and just confiscate the coolers. Right, you put a pickup truck at a, a, a checkpoint. It's like put that cooler in the back of the truck, right? And so we kind of handled that first, and then we helped set up the shuttle buses from the school so we could alleviate some of the parking. We had to put a detail on the boat parking trailer slot to make sure people weren't stacking cars up in there. But you know, we solved one problem at a time, and you know, and figured it out. And now, like Matt said, now there's a template, right? Now you can. Hand that template to any new supervisor and say, go run this detail, and off they go. And we tripled the staffing for that. And um, you had to put the bikes in there because we couldn't get cars. We had, we had in to mix there. a lot in, you know, the bikes, the, the, the cars, the traffic unit started well in advance, you know, some of the side streets in the surrounding areas, putting clear signage ha- up. And having special signs made just for that event. And that, col- that was a, the way we developed that plan, too, was very collaborative um, with everybody in the different with the staffing up and everybody in a different part of the park or the lots or the entrance, everybody came to me with different ideas and we adopted those and eventually all of that became the plan that worked. Yep. Yep. And I will say a lot of the other, you know, other city departments, fire and, you know, the parks department, everybody, they were very resourceful. Everyone was very helpful with us and it was a good, good team effort. But that, that first year with the problem with the swimmers, that's when we realized we needed an actual patrol boat. Like our little, our little ski boat that we were working wasn't going to allow us to do what we needed to do. I think that started, what, what, that started in like 2004. It's got to be I all that. I think the first year yeah. I was a patrol officer just working a, a detail. And then the next year I had been promoted and was just told, yeah, you're in charge of it. <laughs> Can I tell you guys a secret? I have never been to a live at the lake. Not not as a spectator and not as a cop. I've never been. Like at the same time that that was ramping up, third Thursday was ramping up and I made a commitment to be at every one of those and I just looked at the calendar I was like I promised I'm doing one, I'm not doing the other. <laughs> and so live at the lake is always on date night anyway, right? So I was like, nope, nope I'm out. <laughs> yeah. No, live at the lake. I've been to many of them mostly uh only as a as an officer, never as a on my time off. Um, always worked them and you know once once we got it kind of figured out and what the workflow was going to look like they they went pretty well knock on wood for us i remember um with doing that um i had done it every time since it began and then i was going out of the country for like five weeks and i was worried about whoever was going to take over trying to run it and i typed everything up and gave it to him and said just do that yep All right, well, it's kind of a natural pause. So let's do our uh, station identification, weather, and PSAs now, and then we'll come back and finish up the show. Um, We'll talk a little bit about some of the impact of these transfers. Mm -hmm. 
future weather. Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, June 9th. Greetings. Today, mostly cloudy, a high of 65 with some thunderstorms. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a low of 47 with some thunderstorms. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, with a high of 69. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more of the forecast and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jay Plan from WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at graylock.org. Missed an episode of your favorite show? Have no fear because we have podcasts. Type in wtbrfm.com forward slash podcast on your favorite browser and search for your favorite show. It's that simple. Pittsville residents, have you heard about Code Red? It's the city's emergency alert program, and it keeps you informed on the latest updates and notifications, including but not limited to weather-related emergencies, road closures, and water main breaks. So stay connected and be informed. Text Pittsville to 99411 to enroll or visit cityofpittsfield.org to sign up. Is your little one safe inside your vehicle? Is the child seat installed properly? Is it the correct seat for your child? Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madeline with the Pittsfield Police Department, reminding you to please keep your children safe. Follow the safety seat manufacturer's recommendations for height and weight, and check NHTSA's website or our Facebook page for recommendations. If you have a question or would like your seat installation checked, please contact our department at 413-448-9700, extension 575. Our officers are certified safety seat installers. Thank you. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Better weather is around the corner. Expect an increase in the number of pedestrians on walkways, cyclists sharing our roads, and kids playing outside. It is imperative we all pay better attention while driving, walking, running, and cycling. So we need to do our part in keeping everyone safe by adhering to the rules of the road. Wear bright clothing if you are walking or running. If you are driving, please slow down and don't drive while distracted. Pay attention. Let's keep each other safe. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Good morning. Welcome back to another new live episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. Pittsfield Community Radio simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television and available on all of your popular podcast platforms. If you're just joining us, my name is Mike Wynn. I'm the Chief of Police here in the city of Pittsfield. I'm joined in studio this morning by Captain Matthew Kirchner and soon-to-be Captain Matthew Hill. And we have been talking about upcoming staffing changes and realignments within the department. So... Lieutenant, soon-to-be Captain Hill, is staying in op support. He'll be taking over the Operations Support Division and the Community Outreach and Professional Standards Bureau, assisted by his new lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Mark Manalina, who you just heard on that PSA. And we talked about a little bit about um, you know what op support is going to focus some attention on, and um, you know implementing, memorializing some of the special events templates that have been developed over the year. We spent a lot of time talking about. Um, Live at the Lake, we didn't really talk about Third Thursday. Um, I don't, and I don't want to beat up special events. We spent a lot of time, but I was sitting in the interview. It, when did we do the interview? It was Tuesday? Uh, Tuesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, Wednesday morning? I was sitting in the interview 
your interview, Matt Hill, and uh, you you said something, and yeah, I know you didn't mean it to to reflect to this, but you said something about special events and your involvement in special events, and it triggered a memory for me, because early on in Third Thursday, one of the the issues that we had was um, unsupervised roving adolescents who were wreaking havoc. I mean, they were deliberately wreaking havoc, and you were intimately involved in what has now been you know, referred to in internal to the department as the melee, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was a big issue that really wasn't a big issue. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about this recently because if we had had body cams then, that would have been so much easier. Yep. So would much easier. Would have solved easier. a lot of issues. Um, and thank God we had that one unique cell phone camera angle that that actually showed so that you know the melee popped off when you were trying to deal with that situation on on melville but our interest and involvement really happened in the parking lot after it kind of spilled over and started moving northeast north yeah northeast yeah um and the story that was being told was that you know our officers were were using force to essentially apprehend and detain um juveniles and that really wasn't the case our officers had been attacked <laughs> and were attempting to prevent that attack and then apprehend the adult who attacked the officers the, the kids were just in the way um but that that really popped off because you were trying to stop a fight in front of the club right <laughs> yeah we're almost right at the intersection of north of melville it was two females that were fighting and, and then everybody else decided to be a then, part of it and then everyone joined in yep so I don't want to get into all the details of that, but you talked about collaboration and how we look and try to, we're trying to prevent a problem, right? So that we didn't understand the crowd dynamics that had led to that in the moment, but in the follow on, it was very clear that that intersection had been perceived among a group of adolescents as kind of like the sparring ring, right? It was center stage. Everybody could see it from every direction and all of their popular kids were there and you could head right down Melville and be in the common. And so we needed to deny them that space. And so we talked to the Y and the Boys and Girls Club and we were like, you got to put something in that space. And so they put games in that space, like large ball games and cornhole and stuff yep. like that. It's like, problem solved. They can't have that space anymore. Now if they want to fight, they got to fight somewhere that's congested. And uh, it was it was stuff like that, that that I really enjoyed that part of the special events planning was how do we take something that's an attractive nuisance and repurpose it so that it can't be there anymore. Um, yep. So it's kind of like um, places that have murals in areas that are tagged, mm -hmm. and usually a mural goes up and taggers mostly respect, they respect the mural. That. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's pivot. Captain Kirshner, detective commander. Yeah, it's going to be a change. Uh, you know, it's been uh, 19 years, 19 years of patrol. I mean, even, you know, prior to my Pittsfield PD time, I worked in an agency that was small where sometimes you were the patrolman, the investigator, crime scene services, the on-duty supervisor. You, you ran the gamut, and whether it was a minor case or, or a murder, you know, you were involved in all aspects of it. Um, I really enjoyed it. Patrol was definitely different when I came to Pittsfield, but, uh, you know, I've, I've embraced it and tried to do the best I can for everyone in the patrol division and the agency as a whole. 
but uh, after kind of you know a lot of changes coming here and reflecting on it, I, I think it's time to switch hats and try to provide some of those same resources for a different part of our building and a different team. I, I don't I don't have any regrets about where I am now, but I have to tell you I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. It, the on, there's only three things in the department that I have not had the opportunity to do as regular permanent assignments. Never been assigned to the schools. Never wanted to. No, I'll agree not, with that. That doesn't uh, entice me. Never been permanently assigned to traffic. Never wanted to. The two weeks that I did there in break-in and training was more than enough for me. Uh, but I've never been permanently assigned to the Bureau. And I do regret that. The, yeah. um, the handful of times because of staffing issues or, or vacancies that I've had the opportunity to supervise the members of the Bureau have been some of the most fun command opportunities I had. We were talking about this the other day, and it's, it's going to be a pivot for you because I, and I don't want this to sound – look, I love patrol. Patrol is the backbone of any police department, and our patrol, Absolutely. Our patrol force is phenomenal. I 100% would, agree. I would put them up against any patrol force in the Commonwealth. Um, but it's different because patrol runs the gamut from very senior experienced officers who kind of self-initiate and self-start to our brand new employees who are coming through field training with no experience whatsoever and no specialized training. That's significantly different than the Bureau where everybody is a highly trained subject matter expert and many are recognized experts or expert witnesses in their field and they require a much different level of oversight and supervision. Yep, yep. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, as you know, I mean, our our building is in the best shape it's ever been. We've got some really, really talented investigators whoa, 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 whoa. and detectives. Our and personnel. Our, our personnel, yes. <laughs> 39 I'll, I'll Allen Street is not. <laughs> our building is deplorable. But uh, I will say that our personnel, we're in the best shape we've ever been. We've got some really, really talented investigators, uh, you know, some long-tenured investigators as well. Um our detectives are, are second to none. Our crime scene services unit is better than it's ever been. With the team we have, they've built it out to be a fully self-sufficient, self-sustaining unit. Um, I'm excited looking at all the work that's coming online with, with Detective Sergeant Arena and our digital evidence unit. Obviously, that's playing a huge role in, in our current case that's going in court now. But that digital evidence unit, that's that's a lot of that's going to be the future of, of how investigations are handled. And, and, and there's a lot of great stuff going on. I'm excited to be part of it. And we're one of the only municipal departments in the Commonwealth that has that, right? Yep. Almost everybody else is entirely relying on the state police and the state police detective units yep. assigned to the DA's office. And they can't handle the caseload. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's it, going to be it's exciting. exciting. It's exciting to watch it kind of as it's as it's growing. Um, I see other agencies reaching out to us to, to ask us, you know, look for advice, look for information, look for direction. So it's nice to know that kind of we're the, we're the cornerstone of that in our community, in our, in our region. And, uh, you know, I've got some great ideas I, I hope to be able to implement in the future going forward up there. But I, I, I really look forward to, you know, working with that team and working for that team and, and doing the best I can for everyone up there. It's, you know, I, I referenced the handful of times that I've had the opportunity to supervise or command the investigators or the detectives when they're working a case. And that that's not even, it's not even an accurate reflection of my role, right? Because I've never worked there. I don't have any of those credentials. So providing oversight to them was really kind of just make, making sure that, you know, the press didn't interfere with them and that they had the resources they need. But it, I hadn't been 
uh, I hadn't been the chief very long, probably within the first full year. Um, we had just made a series of assignments to the Bureau, and um, Detective Bertelli and Detective Bassett were, were fairly new up there. And um, former Captain Barry, who was running the Bureau at the time, he had some scheduled time off. He was going to be out for not, not a protracted vacation, but like a long weekend. And we had a, a case come in on a weekend morning on a notice street. And uh, Kim was up on the wheel. She, she was going to catch this case. And so I rolled in. This, this had to be early because I was still driving the Fusion. I hated that car. <laughs> um, but I rolled in, and the detectives had taken over the scene from patrol. And uh, now Sheriff Bowler, but former Detective Bowler, was there. And he reported to me. He's like, sir, this is what, we got. what do you want me to do? And I was like, not here to tell you what to do who's seen who's got the case and he's like kim i was like well you know the only thing i'm going to tell you to do is make sure she doesn't fail right i'm here to provide you with resources you're here to mentor and make sure she she doesn't fall on her face i'm going to be over here doing what i do you go run that scene and uh he kind of looked at me and he's like you don't have a checklist you don't, you don't have a meeting i was like nope i don't want to do any of that you go do what you guys do tell me what you need i'll be over here and Pudgy walked back down the road. And he's like, yeah, Kim, uh, Chief says this is your case, and uh, let's go work it. And Yep. And, and that's the best thing you can do most times yeah. is, you know, allow them to do the talented work that they know how to do best and, you know, not yeah. get in their way or try to try to micromanage them. And I'm not going to dismiss um, the value of, of checklists or SOPs. Those are incredibly val valuable. And some of the stuff that former Captain Barry developed that is still in place has you know, has caused some great efficiencies. But once you give them the tool, let them use the tool, right? Yep. Um, you know, a, a highly trained detective does not need a supervisor saying, you know, going through the checklist, saying, did you check the checklist? And Here's my checklist, sir, right? <laughs> let me go back to work. Um, yeah, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be wild. I've got, I, it's going to be fun to watch this as an outside observer and see what happens. Um, because all, all three divisions are getting infusions of new blood. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be a big wave of changes. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, Sergeant Strout is my academy classmate, and he's my friend. So I'm again, I'm I have nothing but high hopes and and good wishes for him. But he's going back in uniform for the first time in. It's been, it's, been years. Years. <laughs> it's been a couple of years. It's been a couple years. I'm not even sure he has uniforms. Yeah, we uh, we're gonna order him some new ones. <laughs> we have to do something about that goatee too. Yeah, but I think he's gonna be. Uh, I think he's gonna be a great resource for patrol. He's gonna have a different different uh, lens for them to look through a little bit. It, patrol is definitely brains. patrol is definitely gonna get a chance to step up their. Um, Interdiction and enforcement game. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, I've, I've already communicated with Sergeant, soon to be Captain Strout. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna spend as much time as we can together to do kind of some coaching, mentoring. Uh, you know, a, a nice handoff. And uh, I want to make sure. He, and Mark's my great friend too. I want to make sure he has nothing but success. And I want to give him all the tools to be successful. And, and and you and I had spoken yesterday, and I knew you were gonna do that, and you were reaching out to him. And ironically, um, so I get up to Williamstown last night, and I hadn't been in the log very long. And I looked out the window, and I saw a classmate who was uh, also a friend of mine. 
dear friend of mine. You know, didn't know each other well when we were in school, but really got to know each other when we were serving as class agents and class leaders. And she's an executive coach. And I've had the opportunity over the last 15 years to work with her um, a handful of times as I was going through transitions with our command staff. You know, She would set, set up sessions with me to kind of help me work on what I needed to work on. And I told her about the conversation we had had about how you, you now had to kind of like live in the pocket of these new captains to make sure that, yep. that they were getting up to speed. And she was just so happy. She's like, that is exactly what we talk about in these sessions. That's, that's our goal as, as yeah. leaders and senior commanders of the agency. We gotta, we gotta do the best we can for everyone, but we, you know, like you, you're getting ready to go out the door. You have to leave this place better than you found it. And, uh, you know, sometimes that, requires long hours or or weekends or you know missing certain functions but we never we never lose sight of the mission and uh, we never we never let we failure is not an option in, in our That's business right. so we we don't get to take a snow day we don't get to call it in um yeah I, there's the former executive director of the municipal police training committee used to you know i used to jive about it because he gave the same speech to every graduating class at every academy for the entire time that he was the executive director. And that's fine if you're graduating for the only time from the police academy, you've never heard the speech before. But if you're a staff instructor or a senior instructor and you're traveling across the Commonwealth, attending three, four, five graduations a year sometimes, it, it could get a little old. But I, you know, I give the same speech when I go to their graduation. So, you know, you, you you got to do what you got to do. But the one thing that he always told the graduating classes, and it rang with me, and it, 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 to this day it resonates, when you're in the academy, 70% is passing, right? You get a 70 on a written exam, you're, you're okay. You could get 70s across the board, and you will walk across the stage, and you'll get the same diploma and the same badge as the person who really put their nose in the books and aced everything. Uh, MPTC doesn't care. 70 is 100. Yeah, yeah. That stops the day you graduate. No resident is ever going to call 911 and accept 70% from the responding officer. They're not going to accept 97%. They're not going to accept 97%. They, they want 100%, 100% of the time when they call. Yep. And they don't care if you're one day out of field training or you got 30 years on the job. Right? They want 100% performance every time. Yep. yep. That, is a, that is a fact. And... Uh you know, some, some people, especially when you talk to new officers in field training, it may be, you know, what they consider a mundane call or something minor, but this is the call that someone has first called the police for. This is the only time they've ever acted with the, interacted with the police, and it's the biggest crisis in their life. It's the biggest thing they've ever had to deal with, and, and you know, you have to respect that and treat it as such, and sometimes that's a great point. we and get I, a little complacent. I know you said you used to say this when you were a field training officer. I used to say when I was a field training officer, it may be the officer's... 100th, 1,000 B&E report. But for that victim, it's the first. And as far as I know, it's the only B&E that's ever happened in the city. And they want the world, right? They don't want lip service. They want to know what we're going to do. They want to know who we're going to send. And chances are we're not necessarily going to send anybody because they don't know what we know. We, don't, they, we know it's part of a trend. We know that it's a group of adolescents, right? They're, they're not getting CSI for this case. But we can't tell them that, right? We yep. have to. We have yep. to tell them what they need to hear from us to feel safe. Um, 
I remember as a patrol officer, we, we recently just talked about doing this again, right? So as a patrol officer, we were dealing with a series of B&Es and the detectives weren't making any headway on it. And there were so many scenes that crime scene couldn't process them. So they trained a half dozen of us, four, maybe five, six of us on taking fingerprints so that we could go and we could lift prints and take photos so crime scene could only handle the major cases. And I was working, I was working a midnight shift and we got a residential B&E out in Southeast Pittsfield and I roll out as like the backup officer. And it, it was a B&E, but it wasn't like a lot of, there wasn't a lot of stuff taken, right? They, they weren't successful. They got in, they didn't find what they were looking for, they got out. Uh, but they had done a little bit of damage in the kitchen and they had done a little bit of damage in like a sitting area. And I'm looking around and you know, we got tool marks on the window, so I got some pictures of that, but they don't have any stuff to take impressions. And it, it was an older house and all of the surfaces in the two areas that had been impacted were this dark, dark, like almost varnished wood. And I knew there wasn't a chance in heck that we could get usable prints off of this surface. It wasn't going to happen. And everything else was like brick. So there was nothing to print. And the, the homeowner was insistent. Was like, I want you to try to get fingerprints. And what I should have said is, I can't, right? It's not gonna work. And then what I should have said is, I'll do it, but it's gonna cause a lot of damage to your your home, right? The, this stuff that we're about to take out of this case is not coming off of this wood once it goes on. But I didn't. I dusted those prints and lifted nothing. Um, and I stayed there and said, you know, somebody will, I will turn these in the crime scene and somebody will be in touch. And we got nothing. We got nothing. Yep. But they, we gave them what they needed in the minute, right? And there was no, there was no liftable, readable prints on any of those surfaces. Yeah. Yeah. I don't miss that. God bless the crime scene guys, right? Because fingerprinting is nasty. <laughs> It's not like it's not like on television. Stuff gets everywhere. You choke. Yep. No, it's a, and they're they're great at what they do. They're talented for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's a, it's an art. It's a skill. It's not something you can learn easily. So. And again, it's not like television. You can't get prints off of just anything, right? It's it's hard. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what are you looking forward to the most in the bureau? Just. Uh, you know, make it a difference. I, I've got some big shoes to fill. I mean, Captain Dolly ran a tight ship. Um, you know, we both, uh, I think we both have the same vision for the agency and, and, the, and the future. So, you know, I know there's not going to be a, a major change in that. I'm, I'm excited to work with some, you know, talented senior tenured folks. These are some folks that I spent quite a bit of time as a patrolman with that when they promoted out and went to the detective bureau and, and left patrol, I didn't get a chance to work with them, so now I'm going to get a chance to work with some, some of my you know near and dear friends and, and fellow coworkers that I spent a lot of time with in patrol and you know working those days and nights and holidays and so I'm looking forward to that. But but most I'm just I'm looking forward to being a resource for everybody up there to give them the tools to be successful and hopefully do some coaching and mentoring with them to push them to the next level. Maybe they can you know promote up and comes you know supervisors and part of that senior leadership team of the department because there are so many talented people up there that 
that are capable of some really, really outstanding work, even beyond the level that they're doing now. So, so and, I look forward to and that. there are definitely some people up there who are ready to put on stripes. So, you know, I know, uh, I know Chief Dolly's excited about it, and uh, I'm sure he's listening now, and he's hiding in the office away from us. He's not here where he should be, but maybe we can get him on one of these upcoming shows. Oh, he's been on. He's and, been on. Uh, he you gave know, me a one and done. <laughs> maybe we should convince him to carry on the torch. But uh, Tommy doesn't think he has the personality for the radio show. Oh, Tommy has the personality, for sure. Um, but uh, before you guys, I was just saying to uh, Captain Hill, if even if we can't continue the the weekly programming, which you know it, it you you got to commit to the bit, right? So I understand the reluctance of of some of our people to do that. But even if we can't do that, we have to make sure we maintain proficiency on the equipment because uh, that goes back to the underlying reason that we started the show. It wasn't like the community engagement and community outreach has been. Um, refreshing and we've enjoyed it but we started this program to make sure that we had people who could operate the board so we could preempt in the case of an emergency and we can't let that go we need to make sure that somebody can access this booth and get the word out if we have to in the event of a world a real world situation yep so um, even if they don't want to do the the talk radio format they still have to we have to figure out some people who can come out here and work the gear well I, I don't think the uh, Mad Hill PPD death metal music power hour is going to fly. <laughs> Matt, I got it. You should be okay. I'm not breaking any confidence. When you told the mayor in your interview what your music preferences were, she was literally in shock. <laughs> you left and Tommy were telling her about, you know, when you were a, a teenager, like, and Tommy's like, so much hair. He had so much hair. Yeah, uh, the old if, high school. If, if folks saw photos of you before you were a police officer, they would not believe you're the same person. Oh, I've got some great photos of me uh, when I met Metallica that pop up every once in a while, and I had the hair. <laughs> she also was shocked to hear that you're a world traveler. Yeah, i got to get back to that. I, yeah. I miss that. Well, now that the kids are older, you can start to... We went can... to Canada last year. We were, that was a start. That's like the 53rd state. Yeah, but it's another country. <laughs> well, people speak in, a different in, language. In, in post, yeah, I guess in if you go to Quebec, times, right? that's, yeah. a, that's a big venture. So. Yeah, yep. yeah. Wow. So many changes. You know what I'm really excited about with this? I'm, I mean, I'm excited for everybody. I'm super proud, and congratulations to everybody. I'm super excited for Lieutenant Madalena. Yeah, absolutely. That's, like, one, one Madalena is going out of the lieutenant's role, and the other one is shifting in. Uh, and Mark's ready. He's He's been working at command level stuff since he was a patrol officer. He's definitely ready. He's earned it. Yep. Um, you know, the his, his interview was amazing because uh, I don't think that the mayor had any understanding of the complexity of traffic fatality investigations. The, the depth of the work is... Is mind-boggling. It's not just that. And I, I paused the interview when I said this because Mark made me realize this very quickly. When, when a resident dies as a result of a personal act of violence, the world shows up. The DB shows up. SPDU you shows up. Crime scene shows up. The DA shows up. The victim witness advocates show up. All the special units show up. Everybody shows up. When a resident dies because they're struck by a car, traffic shows up. Sometimes an on-call DA shows up. And 
if Mark and his team don't do a great job, no one will ever speak for that deceased victim. Because in many, in most cases, it's it's not even necessarily. I mean, I'm not to say it's not negligence. There's no intent, right? In many cases, the driver, the the driver who struck the pedestrian, isn't even aware of what happened. They became aware of the problem when the when the yeah. collision occurred. Yeah. Yep. Everything prior to that, they have no recollection of. And so, if the traffic unit doesn't solve that puzzle, doesn't build that model, nobody will ever know what happened. It's yep. it's an amazing amount of responsibility that those officers take on, and it can't be overstated. Yeah, and, and the amount of work when you you know if you don't know what it is like, I mean, you know, a typical report is several pages long, but when when they finish these major traffic reconstructions and fatalities and and the reports and the documentation, he shows up with a three ring binder that is you know three inches thick and it's full of information that. Engineering just, diagrams. It's, it's amazing the downloads. amount of work and, and the depth of that investigative work that goes into it, and and the and the excellent job they do. You know, both for the and, for the victim of this horrific accident, and and they and they truly speak for the victims. And I can I talk to chiefs in other jurisdictions who don't have access to that internally, and no disrespect again to the state police, but if you're a small town chief and you're waiting for the state police cars unit to get you a report, you may wait years. Just because they're so overburdened and so overworked and so understaffed, right? So, um, you know, the family needs closure. They need to know. And so those guys do incredibly important work. And Mark's been leading that unit well for a long time. And he definitely, you know, has has earned the right to um, wear lieutenant's bars. All right. I told you guys I needed to end the show and sign off a little bit early because I got to go jump on another appointment. Um, So we're going to sign out now with a couple minutes left. Captain? Thanks for coming and joining us this morning, and congratulations and good luck in yeah, your new role. Yeah, thank you, Chief. You're you're almost there. You're, Captain, you're on the home stretch. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm not going to ask you guys about plans for the weekend. Uh, for everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Town Patrol with the PPD. Until we see you next time, be safe, be healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're ten eight.